At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again. It is sadly another Silver Linings edition of the Hornets Hivecast. But there were a lot of positives to take away from last night's loss to the Brooklyn Nets, 130-115. to Hornets really kept up and were uh, ahead of Brooklyn at the end of a quarter, even at halftime, close after three quarters, and eventually uh, the Nets' offensive firepower proved to be too much. So we'll give out our silver linings for last night's game. Also going to talk about an in-depth profile piece that Rick Bunnell, the Observer, did on Miles Bridges, what our takeaways were from that one, and what last night's game and some of the key performances tells us about the potential future for the Hornets, not just this season, but beyond. Helping me out with all these things, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, Rob Longo, with us again on the HHC. Rob, the Hornets fall 130 to 115. Right away, there's a lot of positives to take away from this one. Namely, the offense finally got back on track. The Nets' calling card is certainly on the offensive side of the ball. Doesn't mean that they're a bad defensive team. It means they're not a great defensive team. But this Hornets team has struggled to score against just about anybody. So to get north of 100 as easily as they did, I thought was a big positive, a big step in the right direction for a shorthanded Hornets team playing without, of course, LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, Malik Monk. Those were to be expected. But also tack on to that no Devontae Graham. P.J. Washington remains out. This team was dealing with a lot of injuries and still managed to score 115 points. And Cody Zeller ended up not playing for whatever reason as well. But like you said, 115 points. I think if you saw the injury report and you said that this team's going to go out and put up 115 points, you would definitely take it. And you talked about it on the broadcast a little bit. You don't want to call it 
a schedule loss because of who they were playing in one of the top teams in the East in Brooklyn. But you would think that if it was almost any other team in the league or in the association that the Hornets were playing tonight, it might have been a different outcome. But again, just too much firepower for the Brooklyn Nets, too much depth. And it got to the point where, you know, you only have so many healthy bodies on the end of the bench. And I think that's what kind of chalked it up to what ended up being a 15-point loss. But, I mean, all the credit in the world to this Hornets team. They looked really good in the first half. Yeah, I think if you're the Hornets, you know, where you are as an organization, you have been in the postseason for five years. Obviously, every individual game, you're doing everything you can to win it. But when you look at the grander scheme of things, the broader context of a season— When you're talking about Brooklyn and Philadelphia and Milwaukee, and I would throw Boston in there as well, because even though they haven't performed as well, start of the season, those were considered to be the four best teams in the Eastern Conference. I think for any team to look at those four and say, say, well, we should have a winning record against all of them, that's a bit ambitious. I think from where the Hornets were coming at the start of the season, I think if you say if you can go four and eight against those teams, you feel pretty good in terms of doing what you need to do, getting enough wins, be in a good spot to compete for the postseason. And at this stage of the game, there's still three games left to go against that grouping. they got one more against Milwaukee, two more against Boston. Hornets have got three wins already in the bag, So, and one of them against Brooklyn. So I'm not terribly upset that the Hornets couldn't get a W, although they did certainly make it interesting there. Two really big, explosive offensive efforts in this one, one being Miles Bridges who went for a career-high 33 points and added in nine rebounds. Well, there's actually three really explosive efforts, the second one being that of Terry Rozier. Rozier hangs, and he fires it down, gravity-defying Terry Rozier with the punctuation mark on that possession. You know, in just terms of pure hops, like how high he can get in the air from where he reaches standing still compared to Miles Bridges, I think there's an argument to be made that Terry Rozier is on the spectrum of athleticism closer to where Miles Bridges is than we give him credit for because he had a long takeoff there slicing through the defense of Brooklyn for that throwdown. It was special. And on a day where he really didn't shoot the ball very well, two of nine from three, that's well below his average. He had 27 points, 10 assists, while being a focal point of the defensive effort of Brooklyn. I thought it was a really strong game for Terry. Well, he ended up with a double-double. He joked a couple weeks ago about how he doesn't pass the ball very well, and he ends up with 10 assists for that double-double. So something must be going right for Terry. But I like the way that he's evolving his game in a sense where the first half of the season, more or less, he was more of a catch-and-shoot guy, create off the dribble guy. He didn't have to facilitate the ball as much. And he talked about how his natural position really growing up and going through college in the first couple years here in the pros was he was a point guard. So he's starting to kind of revive that role a little bit where we've seen him a lot in that two spot where he's able to just you know sit on the wing and poach threes a little bit but he's been doing a good job as realizing that now that he's the focal point he's able to pass the ball a little bit better and he did end up with four turnovers but I mean everybody at that point just trying to make plays late in the game was turning the ball over at that point in the game so I'm not too concerned about the turnovers I'm more concerned about just getting people healthy at this point. The third big offensive effort and the most unexpected was the first-time starter, Vernon Carey Jr. Vernon Carey, one-on-one with the former All-Star Blake Griffin. Spins, baseline, fadeaway jumper. Yes! Vernon Carey, where have you been? He's got 17 points. Ended up with 21, and as you heard there, he was one-on-one with Blake Griffin, I think, for that specific play. He also was matched up with DeAndre Jordan quite a bit. So he scored against some very experienced, established 
NBA stars who they're not going to make life easy on a rookie. They're going to look at a rookie who has never played meaningful minutes and say, okay, my turn to eat now. And Vernon Carey had a spectacular game, 21 points, six rebounds. And maybe the best thing that you take away from it, he was a plus 14 on the floor. He was one of only three players that was a positive. The other two were the other rookies, Richards and Riller, who came in in mop-up time and you know barely played. So you know their plus-minus is really irrelevant. Vernon Carey was a plus-14 in his 35 minutes, meaning in the 13 minutes he wasn't on the floor, the team was a minus-29. So that is a huge spread. Vernon Carey, a big game. James Borrego, his head coach, had this to say on him after the performance. Absolutely, he could he could earn more minutes. You know, no, no question. If he has this type of impact, I'd be foolish not to give him more minutes. And I've been, you know, we've been watching him. Our staff, myself, we've been watching him in these in these workouts, three on three, four on four, five on five. Obviously, it has not been a tremendous amount on that of that. But I think we saw a piece of this in the bubble. I think all of us saw his potential in the bubble, and we've just been waiting for this opportunity. You know, we have a rotation, and we've been rolling with that group, but. This kid's got something to him. There, there's something with this kid that we got to keep tapping into, keep evaluating, keep developing, but he's going to be a heck of a player for us. The most important word he used in that quote was impact. It's not about scoring, which he showed he can do. It's not about range, which he showed he has. It's about impact on the game. The plus-minus column for this coaching staff, as it should be, oftentimes is as or more important then the scoring call, we hear it when they, they talk about Devontae Graham all the time. There were a lot of games early in the season where Devontae wasn't shooting well. And then you'd look at the box score at the end of the day, and Devontae would be 2 for 10, and yet his plus-minus would be a plus 10, and a guy like Terry Rogers or LaMelo Balls would be a minus 5 in the exact same game. And you say, wait a minute, why did this happen? And it's because Devontae just has a way of steering the ship. It seems to bring out the best of his teammates. And here on this particular night, against a world-class opponent with one of the best offenses out there. Vernon Carey didn't just score, but he impacted winning in the sense that he was a plus 14 when he was on the floor for his 35 minutes, and the 13 minutes or so that he was not on the floor, the team had to be a minus 29 because that's how that would even out. So great performance from Vernon Carey and all about what JB just said right there about having him be more of a presence on this rotation in the rest of this season and certainly in the years to come. He definitely brought some energy, and I think that played a lot of what ended up being a plus 14. And we saw flashes of this in the bubble, albeit the bubble this year in terms of the G League regular season was not ideal. I mean, it was a month and a half. You played 15 games. You had to quarantine for two weeks before you even got there. But he played in 14 out of the 15 games there. He averaged 16 points, 9.4 rebounds, and he played about... 26 and a half minutes so he ended up playing more minutes last night than what he ended up averaging in the bubble at that point and he did have seven double doubles as well so he was definitely an impact for the swarm during the bubble this year and I think at this point it was just trying to get him an opportunity and credit James Borrego for inserting him into the lineup he's been pushing all the right buttons as of late between you know throwing Vernon Carey in the lineup last night a couple weeks ago putting Jalen McDaniels into the lineup as well just inserting that fresh blood you can't give JB enough credit I don't think Hornets do end up falling 130 to 115 obviously our silver linings are there and Miles Bridges for a career high and Vernon Carey for a career high. But it is a loss for the Hornets. They fall to 27 
and 28. They remain in eighth place in the Eastern Conference, but they're getting a little bit closer to that cut line. Now, to be fair, they are still closer to fourth place Atlanta and Boston than they are to 11th place Chicago right now. But the gap is starting to diminish. So there's things to be concerned about as we look ahead. Coming up next here on the Hornet Tivecast, great piece written by Rick Bunnell in the Charlotte Observer, focusing in on Miles Bridges. We're going to give you our thoughts on it. And later on, what did last night's game tell us about the future this season and beyond for the Hornets? We'll get into those topics next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Buzz City, it's time to return to the Hive. There are a limited number of socially distanced tickets available for each game. Fans can expect enhanced cleaning and disinfection procedures and an upgraded ventilation system at Spectrum Center because the health and safety of the team, staff, and guests is the top priority at the Hive. Be there Sunday, April 18th at 7 p.m. when the Hornets host Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. Tickets on sale now at Hornets.com. Pass down to the Miles Bridges goes up and throws it down. Wow, what a feed. Wanamaker the assist and Bridges new season high 28 points. And he was far from done there. Miles Bridges ends up going for a career high 33 last night in the loss in Brooklyn, 130 to 115. The final score is Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. Rob, you know, during the game, I'll occasionally put tweets out there about statistical notes that I see, your thoughts as they come to me. And I keep an eye on a couple different people on Twitter as well. And Rick is one of them. And Rick tweeted out during the game that he had a profile on Miles in the Observer. And he tweeted basically how when he writes about someone, look at the performance. And so I replied that, hey, I had Vernon Carey on the pregame show. So his response to that was basically that as soon as we're all allowed to travel again, clearly Eastern Conference Finals. I like the logic. I'm all for it. Let's go. All all links up. Uh, Punch your plane tickets now. Yes. Rick Bonello does such a great job covering the team for the Observer. And he had this profile piece on Miles Bridges. And Miles has been such a talented guy. But a couple of the things that it focused on that I think are really key points to take a look at about Miles is his unselfishness and his unwillingness to compromise. Starting with his unselfishness, you know, he's a guy who coming into this season had been a starter for the Hornets, had been a focal point of the offense. And based off the moves that were made, he was, in a sense, the odd man out. He was asked to move from the starting lineup to a bench roll to go from being a person who was going to get 10, 12 shots per game to being someone who was going to be more of a spark plug. And his offensive days were going to you know, have ebbs and flows depending on what the situation demanded. And Rick Bunnell went back to his college days and how after being freshman of the year in the Big Ten, there was an option for Miles to come out. He certainly wasn't less of an athlete after his freshman year at Michigan State. You know, his number one quality was certainly viewed very highly by the NBA at that point. But he elected to come back to Michigan State even though – There was a big-time pick in Jaron Jackson, a future top-four pick, coming in in the freshman class. And Miles still came back and ended up having a first-team All-Big Ten year. And in the article, Rick Bunnell obviously talked to his head coach, Tom Izzo, because he quotes him saying, his humility is off the charts. I don't like Miles Bridges. I love Miles Bridges. So that unselfishness streak 
has always been there for Miles Bridges, and it's part of what has allowed this team to reach the heights it has. Clearly, we saw last night how good he can be individually, even though this came very much, it wasn't like he went rogue and said, well, I'm shooting 20 times tonight. It was all within the offense, and he just had a great, great night. But his unselfishness, his willing to take a step back so the team can move forward, it's something he has done throughout his basketball career. And last night the team needed him to do more, but there's no doubt that once Gordon Hayward and other pieces start to return and they need different things out of Miles Bridges, that he'll be willing to let his scoring maybe sag off a little bit so the team, again, can propel forward. He's definitely a team guy, and he's definitely stepped up the last couple of games as well, and you've seen that with the scoring. And he's just a very mature guy for his age. I think you hear it in the postgame press conferences when he's talking to the media. Like last night, for example, he was asked, you know, what were you, were you trying to press? Were you trying to be more aggressive? And he said, yeah, I'm trying to be more aggressive. But And he goes, but my teammates did a really good job finding me. So he does a good job of taking what the defense pretty much gives him or if his teammates are able to find him in that sense as well. And that's the sign of a mature player. I mean, it could be very easily for him to go out at the age of 23 and say, I'm going to go shoot the ball 30 times just because no one else is out there from a regular starting lineup in that sense. And I'm supposed to be the guy here. But no, he doesn't do that. He facilitates the ball really well. He attacks the rim. He tries to get to the foul line. He doesn't slack off on defense. He's just a total all-around player, and I agree with Tom Izzo. I don't like him. I love him. The other thing that was illuminated in the profile piece by Rick Bennell and The Observer is his unwillingness to compromise. It, it quotes him saying that, you know, everybody around the team wants to change it, this mediocrity. The, the team and him being a leader on the team is not content with to have good stats and finish the year with a win total in the 20s. They want more. They want to be in the playoffs. They want to start taking these steps. And Miles Bridges taking a leadership role. You know, he wants to be a veteran leader on this team, taking accountability. It's not just, hey, I want to be in the playoffs. It's on someone else to figure that out. It's him being the kind of leader that he had in his first couple seasons here in Charlotte and then wanting to take the next step and go even further. So I thought that was very illuminating as well. And furthermore, about what his particular plays can mean for this team. Great line in the piece from Rick Bennell, basically saying his dunks are like sacks in football or home runs in baseball. You know, a sack in football is really the same thing as a two-yard loss or three-yard loss on a run play or a five-yard false start penalty, but they certainly mean a lot more when they happen. They're a momentum changer. The difference between a home run and a two-run single is nothing in terms of what the effect is on the scoreboard. But we all know a home run can have far more impact at times than the latter can. And that's what Miles Bridges does. He is a great three-point shooter, showed it last night, going 6-for-10 beyond the arc. And his dunks are demoralizing for the opposition. I mean, he is the best dunker I have ever seen. So his plays, I would agree, are certainly worth more when it comes to the momentum, even though it all counts the same on the scoreboard as a 10-foot bank shop. And when it gets to that point where hopefully soon that the Hornets get healthy and he's not shooting the ball as much more, those points are just as impactful because he's able to bake those big-time plays, whether it's a corner three on a run that forces the other team to call a timeout, or if he just puts Clint Capella on a poster again for all of eternity or anything like that. So again, those impact plays mean a lot more, especially if you get relegated to a bench role, if your minutes diminish, if you don't get as many field goal attempts 
that's when they become more important. And most importantly, his shooting percentages have really taken a big jump. And I think it's significant that we're not seeing a dip based off the number of minutes. Like his minutes per game have certainly gone up since he's joined the starting lineup. He's playing about 10 more minutes per game. And thusly, his scoring has gone up. That's not a surprise. About six more points per game as a starter than he had as a reserve coming off the bench. But in terms of shooting percentage, he's shooting 39% from three as a starter. He shot 38% from three as a reserve. Essentially the same. 52% from the field as a starter, 49% as a reserve. A little bit of a bump as a starter, but basically the same. The one thing that kind of counts against him as a starter, and this is part of the reason for it is the reason why he's a starter, is the plus-minus. As a reserve, he was a plus-three, roughly. As a starter, he's been a minus-three, roughly. And the reason is he's a starter because a lot of other really good players are hurt. And so instead of coming into a game and playing with LaMelo Ball and playing with Gordon Hayward at times or playing with the P.J. Washington, he's coming in and he's playing with guys that have not been in these roles before. And there are a lot of difficult matchups. I mean, the team overall, let's face it, they're 2-5 and five since Gordon Hayward was hurt. So it makes sense that that plus-minus is different, but all the other statistics are standing up. And it's showing a glimpse of what this could mean for Miles' future and the teams as well. And that's the next thing we're going to talk about. What did last night tell us about the future potentially for the Hornets? We'll get into that next here on the Hornets Ivecast. Cody Zeller knows how to finish an assist. Now you can be a part of one of his biggest plays of the season. Socks are the most under-donated item for those in need, and the Cody Zeller Sock Drive presented by Haynes is ready to attack that problem. You can help make socks a priority by donating one pack of new socks or $5 to the Cody Zeller Sock Drive, and all donations will be matched by Haynes and will benefit Roof Above. Head to Hornets.com and search Cody Zeller Sock Drive for more information. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. Hornets falling last night 130 to 115 to the Brooklyn Nets. They are below 500 for the first time in a long time, Rob. This team had done such a good job staying at 500 and then moving their way above. They've been at or above 500 since the opening day of the second half. They beat Detroit that opener the second half to move to 18 and 18. And since then, they had been above 500 the entire time until last night. So a month at 500 or better. Now they've dipped down below it, one game below. They'll try and bounce back Sunday against the Portland Trailblazers, and we hope everyone will join us for that one. At Spectrum Center, if you can, ticket information available at Hornets.com. But some things that we learned from the game. One is, with Miles Bridges, we learned that this guy's got some star potential. You know, it's very difficult to score 30 points in an NBA game. Not everyone can do it. The Hornets now have had more 30-point scores this season than any other team in the NBA. Seven different guys have gone for 30. And it shows that, you know, different people can wear the cape, can be Superman on a given night, depending on who's got the right matchup, who's the hot hand. But furthermore, there have now been nine different players who have scored 20 in a game. You can add Vernon Carey to that list. And it brings about some interesting options for J.B., moving forward this season. It gives someone else that they can mix and match at the center spot. Vernon Carey has a different skill set. He does have three-point range. He showed that a little bit at Duke. He showed that a little bit last night as well. That's something that Cody Zeller has tried to display this season and has had mixed reviews at best. I'd say he's shooting about 15% from deep. But Cody is clearly a very skilled offensive player and definitely a better pick-and-roll guy 
than anyone the Hornets have shown so far this year. But there is that young, athletic center option that is being shown for this year. And for the future, looking forward, as much as we love the centers that are on this team, both Biz and Cody Zeller are unrestricted free agents. So they're going to have options on where to play next, and the Hornets are going to have decisions to make as well. It is nice to know that there is at least a center who has now shown that he can score 20 points in an NBA game and proven it on the floor that the team has complete control over. He can't go play somewhere else unless they send him somewhere else. So if nothing else, Hornets fans can at least have that thought in the back of their mind. All right, at least one of them's coming back. We know we got to probably need more than one center, but at least one is coming back for next year for sure that we have seen play and play at a very high level in the NBA. And I think that's a big reason why you didn't see a lot of activity from the Hornets at the trade deadline, because Mitch Kupchak knows of all of this young talent on the roster and didn't want to give it away and sacrifice potential playmakers in the future for whatever would be down the road right now. I mean, obviously, you can't think this far ahead and fast forward a month and a half later and realize that there's going to be six and seven people on the injury report and some of them are out long term. But you do know that you have that depth in your back pocket. And I think that's a big reason why you didn't see any moves at the trade deadline, because you got a very talented guy like Vernon Carey. We saw what he could do at Duke last season, ACC freshman of the year. I mean, the ACC is no slouch. It's obviously not the NBA, but it's definitely some solid competition. So you knew what he was capable of. You knew what the talent level was like. And we saw that, like I said, in the first segment in the G League bubble a little bit as well. So It's definitely comforting, and it's interesting to see where this team moves forward because, again, with those unrestricted free agents, we don't want to get into a ton of speculation, but you can definitely clear some cap space for some potential bigger free agents as well, but that is for a podcast much, much, much further down the road. And there's just so much unknown. There's so much unknown. I've heard from several people that I trust that Cody Zeller, just what he has shown this year, has shown himself to be a very valuable piece on the free agent market. His consistency, he certainly has had injury issues this year, but his consistency as a scorer, as a shot blocker at times, he's shown what he can do as a rebounder. Bismarck Biombo, similarly, he's top 20 in the NBA in blocks. He's shown what kind of defensive player he is. His phone is going to ring in the offseason, and it's probably going to not just be the Hornets calling. So, you know, you have to constantly refill the pipeline as an NBA team. You can't just rely on, well, we're going to sign X, Y, and Z free agents. I mean, how many teams have done that? Like the Lakers and Knicks and Nets have constantly been on this, you know, for several free agency cycles in a row. It's like, well, you know, these four all-stars are going to be out there and our plan is to get all of them. And then it will work. And it doesn't ever work. It doesn't ever happen that way. Brooklyn, I guess it's happened now that all those all-stars decided to play with each other. And for the Lakers, you know, LeBron coming to LA, that was a total shift in the power dynamics of the NBA. But for the most part, you develop an all-star, you get lucky on a guy like hopefully a LaMelo Ball will be for the Hornets, and then you add pieces around them. But all the while, you have to have a mind in the front office who is able to discover and select and develop these kinds of players. And you can add Vernon Carey to that list that includes Jalen McDaniels and Devontae Graham and the Martin brothers. Add Vernon Carey as the latest fine that Mitch Kupchak has made. And he did it with the Lakers as well. He's found someone who has been able to score 20 points in an NBA game. That's something just not everyone can do. And it goes back to what we talked about a couple of podcast episodes. You don't become a championship contender overnight. You just don't. So you either build up the talent, you find 
a couple of those players or you just try to tank forever and ever and ever and you have this endless circle of suck and you hope that you finally hit several first round picks and several lottery picks after you build up this equity of first round picks in the top 10 15 whatever it is so again you got to find that perfect balance and i think the hornets are definitely on that track you got a big free agent signing in gordon hayward you got a lottery pick in Lamelo ball you got depth in the second round with guys like vernon carey jr as well as Jalen mcdaniels you're missing only one or two pieces and again this team is just ahead of schedule. You have to keep everything in the perspective. As much as everybody wants to win now, despite all of these injuries, you know, don't give up the ship for a fish, I guess. Just don't don't give up the big prize down the road that you could have for years and years and years just for a playoff position right now to get out of the play-in round, I guess. Yeah, the one move the Hornets made for Brad Wanamaker didn't cost him anything. It cost him a very protected second-round pick, potentially. Hornets in certainly a good spot right now. They have lost four in a row. They are in eighth place in the Eastern Conference. But again, they are, as of the recording of this podcast, only two and a half games out of being back in a top five position. So, you know, they've had a bad week here, mostly injury influenced, but there have been some positives to take away from it. What we saw from Vernon Carey, what we've seen from Miles Bridges, Jalen McDaniels, the Martin brothers, all of them have shown things that I think could help the Hornets later on down the line. And all the while, they're one week away, one good week away from making a surge back up the totem pole and the gap between themselves and the 10-11 spot is still a much larger one. They've still got a five-game cushion on the Torontos and Chicagos and Washingtons of the world, and only the two games or three games separating themselves from four and five. So a lot to be positive still about the Hornets. There is another big game coming up for the team on Sunday. They'll be hosting the Portland Trailblazers. For ticket information, go to Hornets.com. Would love to see you at the Hive and help boost the Hornets, hopefully to a performance that will break this four-game losing streak. Rob Longo, thank you for joining me as always here on the HHC. Of course, had so much fun. Let's do it again tomorrow. We're going to have to, I I like the name you use. We might have to work on, we've occasionally called your office the Cave of Horrors. We might add the Circle of Suck now. I don't know which one (laughs) we're going to, there's a good good nicknames. I like it. No, Rob, thank you very much for joining us here. And we will have another podcast for you tomorrow, previewing the contest against Dame Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. Till then, for everyone here on the Hornets Hivecast, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us. And in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank you. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.